have seen silhouettes on the Ferris wheel. You know, they, they ask, well, how'd that guy get up there? And I go, well, you can't. The leg guard's turned up into the seat. It's impossible to sit in it. And they go, but but I seen a man in the seat. And I'm going, that's what you're here for. You're here to experience it. But I'm going to tell you, I have a lot of non-believers come here, and they actually experience something, and they walk away still being a non-believer because they don't want to believe what their eyes are seeing. Uh, the swings will move by themselves. This is the kind of place that if you don't want to believe, you can still walk away from here and say, yep, I don't believe, even though I've seen it, I don't believe it. There's a total of about six people that accidentally died on the property. A little girl riding swings uh, got hit by a pop truck backing up, slid in the mud. And, uh, my dad drove it for like four years, and uh, I always felt the presence of somebody sitting on his shoulder or leaning on his shoulder. And uh, she showed herself and come to him and told him that she'd like to have the tractor. So he got off the tractor and he gave it to her. Right there's where he got off of it. Right there's where he put everything to make sure that we don't move it. And that's where it stayed. It's the same girl my father tells the story about. It's the same girl that everybody sees when they come and do get to see her. The defendant's commission of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state. Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh, I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Welcome, guys, to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. It is me, your host, Brendan Shane. With me, as always, is the beautiful, the lovely... Annie Weebs. How are you, Shea Bay? We're back. We missed you guys last week. We did. I missed looking at your face from across the table. And joining us also is Rory May. She is, so she may put her two cents in on this show, which is going to be a, a pretty interesting one. Right, yeah, Shay? Yeah, this is going to be a good one. I'm excited for this one. This is You know a lot about this because you've been to this location numerous times. I've yet to go and I'm super super excited about you know I know a little bit about it but I really want to go here I want to explore it so I wrote an article for living paranormal magazine that is going to come out sometime in the next couple of weeks about one of my favorite haunted locations ever it's the place where I had my most profound paranormal experience to date and I wanted to share this article with you guys and give a little plug for Living Paranormal Magazine. Our good buddy Alex King, who is co-host of the American Ghost Hunter show, 
puts together this amazing publication quarterly. You guys can find it online on Amazon. If you're not checking out Living Paranormal Magazine, you should be. You're missing out. Alex King is the man. Check out Living Paranormal Magazine. But Annie, before we get into this story, we of course have to give a shout out to this month's patrons. We do indeed, Shay. Bethany Hammontree and Cool Scout 09, thank you so much for supporting Serial Spirits, the podcast, and Paranormal Warehouse. If you would like to become a patron, please go to patreon.com forward slash paranormal warehouse and join the fun, guys. We love you with all our little black hearts. So, Annie, what are we getting into today? What story are you going to tell us this fine evening? I'm going to tell you the history of one of the most haunted locations, not just in West Virginia, but in the nation, Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. And then I'm going to tell you guys about my amazing paranormal experience that I had there, my life-changing paranormal experience. Guys, this is a creepy place. You want to talk about carnivals and how people think carnivals are creepy. Imagine an abandoned amusement park that's haunted by Native American spirits. So let's go ahead and get into this episode right now, Annie. Lake Shawnee. wish to be left alone here? Do you remember any of the battles that were fought here? Every fall seasons, the owners of Lake Shawnee and Mercer County welcome people onto their land to tour what they say is a hot spot for the paranormal. We had purchased the same swing that the little girl got killed on, and that's when we started seeing the, the spirits and stuff coming out. The land used to be home to a fun-filled carnival until the accidental deaths of two children in the 1960s. The landowners say they still see the spirits of the two children, a boy who accidentally drowned, and a young girl who was killed on the swing set after a delivery truck backed into its path. My husband seen the little girl when he was riding the tractor, and she was riding on the back of his tractor with him. And he was up there mowing one day, and he said that the, the feelings that he'd been getting off and on was, was stronger that day. So he looked over his shoulder, and there she was on the back of the tractor with him. Years after the carnival had closed, it was then discovered that the land's tragic past went back centuries. Native American remains were found on the property in the 1980s, which prompted a visit from experts from Marshall University. Those experts say that over 3,000 Native American remains could still be buried on the property. <clears throat> He's saying, an eye for an eye, is exactly how they saw it. Deep in the heart of southern West Virginia, you will find history and mystery laying in wait. Peeking through the trees on a drive down Matoka Road, just outside of the quiet town of Princeton, an old Ferris wheel stands alone, unmoving. Happy shouts and laughter from children have long since disappeared from the property, replaced by historical facts that haunt the area 
and unexplained occurrences that have happened since that history was brought back to the surface. Let us take you to one of the most haunted locations in the nation, Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. The bloody history behind Lake Shawnee began in the 1780s. Mitchell Clay and his family were among the first English settlers in the area and claimed the property as their own. However, the property had been previously settled by the Shawnee Native American tribe, and a fight ensued for the land. While Mitchell Clay was away on a hunting trip, a group of Shawnee raided the land, murdering two of Clay's children at their homestead and kidnapping a third child. The third child was later burned alive and found by Clay, who had gathered a group of men to find and slay the attacking Shawnee. All three of Clay's murdered children are still buried on Lake Shawnee's property today, although the whereabouts of one of the graves is unknown. The property sat quietly until the 1920s when businessman Conley Snido purchased the land. The town, now booming with coal mining families, had no source of entertainment for the locals, and Snido saw an opportunity to capitalize. A bathhouse was built next to the pond, which was opened for public swimming, and the Ferris wheel and swing set were built on the property. Lake Shawnee became a gathering place for locals and remained open until the 1960s. During this time, Lake Shawnee saw more tragedy, including the drowning death of a young boy in the pond and the death of a young girl on the swings. In the 1980s, Lake Shawnee saw new life once again when it was purchased by a local man named Gaylord White. White intended to reopen the property as a fairground, but his plans were cut short while developing the land. While digging a mud pit for tractor pulls, White uncovered a Native American burial mound. Anthropologists were called in from nearby Marshall University, and the remains were cataloged and reburied in the same spot. White's son and current property owner, Chris, stated that the remains were mostly of elderly and children, leading anthropologists to believe that an illness had decimated the most vulnerable of the tribe. Lake Shawnee, once again, stood quietly. But the quiet didn't last long. Gaylord White and his wife moved onto the property and began to experience ghostly encounters. The phantom figure of a young girl in a pink dress was seen wandering the property. Chanting was heard throughout the remote property. Objects began to disappear and reappear in odd places, and a security video captured a cart on the Ferris wheel opening and closing on its own accord. Over time, Lake Shawnee gained popularity among the locals as a haunted location, and the word of its activity began to spread worldwide. Current owner Chris began hosting historical tours and allowed paranormal investigators, photographers, and documentarians on the property to experience and document the activity for themselves. In April 2016, I became one of those investigators, traveling to Lake Shawnee to film an independent documentary with local friends. It was here that I had my most profound paranormal experience to date, changing my outlook on paranormal investigating forever. So you, Annie, in turn became a part of this history without even knowing about it. I suppose I did, in a way, yeah. So last episode, we came out with the uh, Witches of, of Appalachia, and it kind of talked about some of the history and some of the weird 
things that happen in this area. We touched on it a little bit. And this is one of those places where very strange things happened and murders and, and all kinds of uh, horrors happened that stained the land and basically kind of cursed it in a way. Yeah, but remember from the Granny Witches episode, not all of the Native American tribes clashed with the English settlers. Mitchell Clay's family just happens to be one of those instances where it did. And so his the children that were killed on the property are still buried there on kind of like a far corner of the property. And there is a a, a, a tombstone, a, a grave marker, for lack of a better word, that they have put in there recently to memorialize the kids that were who were killed there. And also, like there's been, you know, over the years, there's been a lot of, of deaths attributed with Lake Shawnee drownings. Weird occurrences that happen with these deaths that people have had. You know, there was people who said that they were swimming and they could feel like their legs being pulled, like somebody yes. was jerking them underwater right. while they were swimming. And actually a couple of kids did drown. And this could have been the reason why, because there was a curse set on the land. I don't know. I've never been there. And that's what makes this place so intriguing. So, you know, being a paranormal investigator, I can say this personally for myself. And I know Annie feels the same way. The longer you do it, the more you become... I guess, entranced by it. You are able to tell when things are going to happen and when they're, they're not going to happen. It just becomes a part of you. But when you can stand back and you can look at the most profound experience that you can ever have, it really sticks with you. It means something. And you, Annie, you had this profound experience here that changed your life and your outlook forever. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what happened in this story? Because I know you've ta- I've heard you talk about it before and it really means something to you. So I had the opportunity to recount this story uh, twice for the Travel Channel, the first time with the Dead Files and the second time uh, on Most Terrifying Places. They asked me to come back there and tell about this experience that I had. So like I said, it was April 2016. I was with a group of investigators here in Huntington, West Virginia, and I had been talking with Chris White, the owner, for a while. And he was a little leery about the people that he wanted to let on the property. But after talking to him and, you know, sending some references, letting him know that, you know, we were kosher, we we weren't going to come there and and pay it disrespect, he let us come to Lake Shawnee. Now, what you have to understand is that when I say Lake Shawnee, that's literally all that this is. There are no buildings there to investigate. It is just the lake and the property that surrounds it. And so we went, it was a beautiful spring day. Um, I was with a few investigating friends and then also some friends who were like local documentarians. They were into the paranormal, but they wanted to go as much to document the history as they did the paranormal activity. And so our plan was to meet Chris there. He was going to give us the historical tour. He was going to show us some of their paranormal uh, evidence And then we were camping on the property that night. So we got there. The weather's beautiful. Chris spends most of the day with us. He gives us the historical tour and shows us a clip of evidence that they had that was pretty compelling that was of the the Ferris wheel, one of the, the gates on one of the carts opening and closing on its own in the middle of the night that just came from their security if footage. I can, if I can just for a second here, just to go down a nerd wormhole here, for anybody out there listening, if you have played the game Silent Hill 
And the first game, the first level, you walk into this creepy old abandoned amusement park. That's exactly what this Ferris wheel looks like. So just imagine, if you will, Silent Hill and this weird old abandoned amusement park with rust and trees and everything else going around it. The only thing that, that is still left there that still remains from the amusement park is the Ferris wheel and the old metal swing set. And you're talking about the old metal chains that have the wooden bottom on them it's so it's so dangerous you look at it now and you're like how did this ever operate but it's it's terrifying and i think that's probably what led to some of the deaths there just because it was so dangerous it's almost like the jungle gym and uh the campaign you know with will ferrell and zach galifianakis i don't remember that remember the slide he tears down the slide because the people get keep getting tore up on the slide and he lifts up his shirt and he's like oh you got it too yeah basically Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's okay, sidetrack. So we get there, the weather is beautiful. We have this store with Chris. And, you know, towards the end of the afternoon, he basically says, All right, I'm going to go. The property is yours for the night. Just lock up when you leave in the morning. And it was like the coolest experience because you're, it was like camping with some of your best friends, but you're doing paranormal investigating at the same time. You're out there alone, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And so we were all really pumped up. But it was like, as it started to get dark, the feeling around everything started to change. You know, we pitched our tents, we built this fire, we're roasting hot dogs. And you can tell that everybody really kind of starts to get serious. And the darker it gets, the only way that I could describe it was that you felt like you were being watched. And you knew that there was nobody out there. But there were just like eyes coming from everywhere. And you could tell the difference almost immediately. People started feeling like something wasn't right. Something had changed about the mood, about the scene. Our friend Laura was there investigating with us. And Laura has some Native American heritage. She had taken some uh, Native American relics with her. I think there was a pipe and a drum And before we could even begin investigating, Laura became really ill really quickly. She was so sick that she retreated to her tent for the rest of the evening. She didn't come out. She didn't participate in the investigating. And the next morning, before the sun was even up, before we were even awake, she and Cheryl, another investigator friend, got up and left. And she texted me the next day and she said, the minute I left that property, I felt fine. She just said, something isn't right there. And so I guess that should have been our first sign that something that we didn't understand was kind of there with us. I can vouch for this story because I've known Laura for years. And it's kind of funny, like I want to sidetrack a little again. I was actually supposed to go to this investigation. And this is before I even really knew you. I was supposed to go to this investigation, and this is where we would have met for the first time, and history could have been made that night, but I think that I didn't go for a reason. I don't know. Maybe we weren't supposed to, our our timelines weren't supposed to cross yet, but I've been on tons of investigations with Laura, and if something like that happens to her, it it really is affecting her because she's a really strong investigator, and that's crazy that 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 hit affected her like that yeah I've investigated with her before nothing like that had happened before has ever happened since and so when it happened I knew that she was being serious and at the time we just thought she was sick right she was physically ill 
But then that almost like set in motion the things that were meant to happen that night. And you look back at it, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you think maybe it wasn't a physical illness that was affecting her that night. Something else was affecting us there. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, she, like I said, she she's done that before in investigations where something's affected her, but she comes back. She bounces back. And for her to be completely wiped and not come back, that's that's ominous. That's strange. We'll be back after this short break. Hey guys, I'm Abby. And I'm Shauna. And we're the host of a podcast called Anxious and Afraid. Do you love deep dives into true crime? The paranormal? Strange history? Conspiracies? Well, so do we. And each week we take turns surprising each other with whatever anxiety-inducing subject we are obsessed with that week. Tune in each week to hear Shauna mispronounce words. Um, the guys on the lookout apparently asked for binoculars. Did I say that right? So the photos showed him and his colleague entertaining... <laughs> And listen in as Abby constantly asks too many questions. I was about to ask you a lot of questions. I'm glad that you interrupted me. Continue. I would have told you to shut up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to do. Stop quizzing me. Okay, you know, I did enough research. Let me just tell the damn story. Jesus, continue. Episodes drop every Tuesday, available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also find us at our website, anxiousandafraid.com. We're always looking for new friends, so don't forget to rate and subscribe. Obsessed with UFOs and extraterrestrials? Convinced there's a chupacabra in your backyard? Is your doppelganger ruining your life? Do you love all things haunting related? If you answered yes to any, or none of these, then these are the mostly sensical, slightly drunken ramblings for you? Question mark? I'm Emily. And I'm Joel. And we're the hosts of Drink Drunk Dead. Join us, our two cats, Emma and Otto, and our house ghost every week as we have a few drinks discuss all things paranormal and and raise raise a a toast toast to to our ghosts morbidology is a weekly true crime podcast hosted by me emily g thompson author of unsolved child murders cults uncovered and co-author of Unsolved Murders, True Crime Cases, Uncovered. 911 emergency. My son shot my husband. I need an ambulance. He's bleeding. Using investigative research combined with primary audio, including 911 calls, interviews, and trial testimony, Morbidology takes a look at some of the world's most heinous murders. Do you know why you're here? For a uh, home invasion gone terribly wrong. Listen to Morbidology now on Apple, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever else you get podcasts. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. So it was getting dark and we were having some trouble with the equipment. You know, we're out there. There's only one single power source on the property, one outlet, basically. And so we were trying to charge all of our stuff from there. We were, you know, running um, extension cords from there. You know, we're just having trouble with the logistics of all of it. And we were trying to get cameras set up to cover every piece of the property, Basically, there was one area 
that pointed towards the road and it was just this big open field and there was a monument out there to uh, the Mitchell Clay family. And we wanted to cover this area because Chris had told us that that's where some people had had experiences. That on some of these tours, people felt like they were being touched. People felt like they were being pushed. And so we wanted to make sure we covered that area. Now keep in mind, we're out kind of in the middle of nowhere, but there is one road that runs past this property. It's a narrow two-lane road. You can see for a mile in either direction when you're standing in the middle of the road looking at it. My friend Lonnie was there, and Lonnie was part of this um, video crew, basically. And he and I were trying to determine where to put these cameras. And as we're standing there in this field, facing the road, we're talking to each other, and then all of a sudden, sudden, something grabs our attention from the road. And when we turn to look, there's a man walking down the road. And we turn and look at each other because we'd been standing there for several minutes. And this man just kind of like appeared. And he looks at me and he said, where did that guy come from? And I said, I have no idea. He, he just wasn't there one minute and the next minute he's there. And we thought, okay, maybe we're so wrapped up in this that we just weren't paying attention to him. He was very tall, very thin. He was wearing a light-colored shirt. He had his arms crossed over his chest, and he kind of had his head pointed down like his chin was to his chest, and he was walking really quickly along the road. We were just standing there watching him because it seemed so out of place that this guy was there. And as we're watching him, a car begins driving up the road behind him, It's almost dark now, so this car, as it gets close to him, the headlights totally illuminate this guy. And we expect this car to slow down or swerve to go around him because it's such a narrow road. This car acts like they don't even see him there. They fly past this dude, and Lonnie and I both physically cringe as it happens because we're expecting this guy to get hit. He doesn't jump off the road. This car doesn't swerve. They fly past him like he's not even there. And Lonnie and I both jump back and he goes, what the hell is this guy doing out here? He's going to get hit on the road. It's almost dark. He has on no reflective clothing whatsoever. And it, it was just so bizarre. We're standing there watching this guy expecting something to happen. And so this car goes past. They don't acknowledge him at all. And there's this large kind of cluster of trees. This man continues walking and he takes probably four or five more steps. He walks behind this cluster of trees and he doesn't come out. And so Lonnie and I stand there for a couple of minutes and we're looking at each other. And he goes, where did that guy just go? And at that point, my mind immediately flips the switch and I thought, somebody's out here messing with us. Somebody's seen us out here with video cameras. They think this is funny. Somebody's playing a prank. And so Lonnie and I take off running across this field and I'm literally shouting at this person, this is private property and we're calling the cops, you know, just making a ruckus, expecting somebody to just jump out and take off running. We run to the edge of the road and there's a fence separating it. We get to these trees. I approach it from one side. Lonnie approaches it from the other, and we look behind, and there's nobody there. We look at the road going either direction, 
and there's not a soul there. This man was literally walking on the road. He walked behind these trees and he vanished. Lonnie takes a step back at me and and he just looks at me and he goes, what did we just see? And we're both so dumbfounded at that point that it's not resonating with our brains that we just saw somebody there one second and the next second they had vanished. We were both so deeply affected that it took us a while to kind of recoil and decide how we were going to approach things that night. I sat in that field for more than an hour waiting to see something else and nothing ever happened. And eventually one of the other investigators came over and said, Annie, you ha- whatever you saw is not coming back. We have to go. If we're going to investigate this, we have to do it right now. And so we did. And the rest of the evening was full of, again, just these senses of being watched. Another person on the crew got sick and began vomiting. And again, the next day she was fine. One of the girls, after we went to sleep that night, um, heard footsteps around their tent multiple times through the night. A couple of us had dreams about, uh, somebody dreamed about a Native American. I dreamed about a young boy who was uh, very bloody. None of us slept much that night. And then when we got up the next morning, we had another kind of surprise. We had a stationary camera pointed towards the swing set. The legend was that one of the swings used to move on its own. We set up the stationary camera there with a full battery, and we also had it plugged into an extension cord that ran to the only power source on the property. And so when we got up the next morning and we started breaking down our equipment, one of the guys comes over and says, "Um, who unplugged this camera? And we all say, you know, none of us have even been over there this morning. And he says, well, this camera is unplugged. And so we walk over to this stationary camera. Not only is the battery totally dead, the extension cord had been unplugged from this camera. And so we roll back the footage and we watch it. And I believe it was somewhere between three and four that morning. What we saw, well, not really saw, what we heard on the camera was everything is fine. And then you hear this, it's almost like an electrical interference. It's a buzzing, staticky, and then all of a sudden the camera just goes dead. Something unplugged our camera. Something was walking on the property that night. To this day, I could not tell you exactly what I experienced at Lake Shawnee, who I experienced. I talked to Chris about it later, and he kind of felt like maybe it was a family member that had spent some time there on the property. But I've been back numerous times since then. I've never been that we didn't have some type of experience. But that's one of those moments that changes you because you realize what you've been searching for all this time. It's real. Literally just flashed before your eyes. And to have somebody else there who saw the same exact thing at the same time, if I had seen it with my own eyes, it's enough to make you step back and be like, did I just see that? But Lonnie was standing right there with me and we shared that experience together and it made it even more profound and that's why i think it's a a credible thing when people see a full body apparition like you experience you sit there and you think back for a second like oh somebody's in here 
You know, if somebody's oh, legitimately, yeah. that was somebody that wasn't, uh, you know, a, a full body. That wasn't a ghost. No, we thought it was it a, we thought terms. it was a human. We thought it was a person. I had an experience one time at a location where I was looking for power and I swore that I saw the groundskeeper who was unlocking all the doors at the time walk down this hallway and I followed him down and it was what I saw was a pair of pants, basically what it, what I, I logically remember it being. But I thought it was the guy, and I came down to the end of the hallway where I seen this person go, and there was no way out. The only way in was the way I came in, and I said, did the same thing. You step back, and you're like, did I just see that logically? And you think somebody's in danger, too. You know, you said that you saw the car coming, and you cringed because you thought he was about to get hit by a car, and it didn't affect him. That yeah. was crazy in itself. The way you described it, too, it almost looked like he was, like, cold. He had his arms crossed across his chest and, it was and his, cold head, and that his night. head down like he was yeah. actually feeling the, the weather conditions. It was cold that night and he was completely underdressed, which just made it seem even more viable that he was a real person and, and he was just out. You know, I, I don't know how many times I've been there since then and I've never seen anybody walk on that road ever. And it's pretty remote, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 almost in the middle of nowhere it is it's a very remote property if you didn't know where it was you're not going to find it um there's one road that runs past it and when you get probably another half mile down the road there's kind of a busy gas station on the other side of the woods there's kind of like um an old trailer park i guess you would call it for lack of better words but again we've never See, actually seen anybody physically on that property but the whites yeah this place sounds like a definite must for me and, and i've i've actually had the opportunity to go there a couple of times like i said the last time was with lauren cheryl i got invited and another time was with uh keith age and i just i never went i just didn't see the time i just didn't want to go i don't know why well the but. funny thing was the time that Keith was there, that was an event that he and I set up there together. He found out that we had been there and he called me and I didn't know Keith. Well, H that's weird then too, Adam. because I was supposed to go to that one yeah. as well. He, he came there. Uh, and yeah, that was the first time that I met and investigated with Keith, who's an incredible dude. And, uh, he actually, he camped that night and Keith snores very loudly. Oh yeah. He snores so loud. Yeah, I slept in a, uh, a, a cabin with him one time. Oh, yeah, he's, he saw his logs. But we love you, Keith. We love you, Keith. We should get Keith on the show and, we and pick should. his brain about some stuff, especially this place. We should. So this is a place, you know, that I definitely have to get to. And if COVID didn't hit, we were planning on doing an event here. But stuff happens. And, you know, we got next year. And I definitely want to go there, spend the night, and not sleep in a tent. Just wait for... The spirits to get me. Be careful what you wish for, because Lake Shawnee Amusement Park is one of those places that if you go in unprepared, which I felt like was what we were doing, we had no idea what we were doing, basically what to expect. And we were caught unawares. And it's something that I will never, ever forget. Lake Shawnee does historical tours and they do some paranormal tours. I don't know what they're doing right now. But if you guys would like to find out the next time you can go there, you can find them on Facebook at Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. I always, always realize that when you go to a place that's basically sacred land 
the energy level is just intense and it's, it's so, so much yeah it's so it's much so different than going different to just a like a haunted house that people say oh ghost the ghost of martha that used to live here is here it's it's way different the minute it got dark you felt like you were being watched you realized that you were somewhere that didn't belong to you and and that you needed to respect what was there and and what you were doing So that's the most important lesson. If you go to these places, have respect. Have respect, 100%. Not just Native American places, any place, but the energy level there is incredible and intense. So guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Serial Spirits Podcast. We shall return, and until next time, we'll see you when we see you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Serial Spirits Podcast. Follow us on all your social media apps, facebook.com forward slash Serial Spirits, on Twitter at Serial Spirits. Listen to us on all podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you subscribe. Follow us on our mothership at paranormalwarehouse.com. Become a patron today at www patreon.com forward slash paranormal warehouse until next time guys be aware and be safe